Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm Sam. I'm Mike. Uh, we're here talking season one, episode ten, nightmares uh, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mike's never seen the show before. I've seen it before, so it's totally fine for new watchers and new listeners. True, watchers like Giles. Yeah, exactly. All new people who are trying to guide slayers in their quest to defeat evil and vampires totally fine to listen to this podcast yeah or if you're just a slayer looking to watch the show buffy the vampire slayer this is a safe companion piece for you if you've ever slayed this is the podcast for you and if you haven't totally fine also yeah we we're in an equal opportunity slayer non-slayer podcast i know i mean i could never relate to someone who had never slayed before but i am i i feel for them and i sympathize yeah hopefully we can guide them to slaying <laughs> they'll find a way to slay another day uh happy holidays everybody happy new year to mike yeah happy new year well happy new year to you too sam and to all of our listeners um wow. For you first, and then everyone else. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. As long as I'm first. Yeah. Um, how are your holidays? I. Well, for the... I know how your holidays were. Yeah, we can sort of mime or whatever it is. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Pretend like we're catching up. Um, Yeah, no, I had a good time. Um, I was in Florida with my family, as you're well aware. Uh, You know, it, it was a little cold, chilly down there, but not bad as it could have been um got some good gifts and now i've got the my favorite gift being back here with you wow recording can be a gift in and of itself i always think of it as a (laughs) gift when you uh are you when you agree to do this with me well you know we're here another week for for our listeners no time may have passed but for our well one week went by without an episode from us yeah but if they are if they haven't listened yet and all of these episodes mm. are sort of like backlogged like, like they're just going right from the it's called binge watching binge watch the binge watch the binge listen mm-hmm. um for some i of, wasn't exp- I, that was a reference to rupaul at the end of youtube videos where he's like it's called binge watching i wasn't like oh, explaining to you sorry I, <laughs> I thought it was unclear <laughs> i try not to watch rupaul content um that well, I don't need to. Right. Well, if you ever watch a video on, like, an official Drag Race YouTube video, sometimes RuPaul comes up at the end, sometimes it's Sasha Valor, or maybe <laughs> new people have started doing it, because um, I haven't watched them in a, in a while, but they're like, click on another video. It's called binge watching. Wow. And I just came to that idea organically. <laughs> Me and Ru. Yeah. Sort of parallel. Uh, super parallel thoughts. Parallel thoughts, parallel paths to superstardom. Read us, wrote us yes exactly (laughs) well how was your holiday it was good um went up to vermont it was cold uh as expected we got snow uh which was not expected when i left uh to go up north for the holidays yeah it was fine it was uh i I didn't watch any buffy um so it was was excellent yeah exactly um and yeah now just sort of back in new york trying to get back into a regular schedule and frame of mind you know that that period between christmas and new year's and even the few days after new year's it's you never know what day it is what time it is how you're really feeling it's all very strange yeah i have to go to work tomorrow that sounds bad yeah i'm not it's been a while so you know we're you know we're, we're all living and uh trying our best uh, but we're here to talk about Vampires. <laughs> um, as I said, we're talking about nightmares. Uh, this episode was this is it, very strange. It this it was listed that it was the story was by Joss Whedon and the teleplay was by David Greenwald. I don't really know what the, what the story behind that all is, but these are the two executive producers of the show and. This was what they came out of their paired brains. So what I guess I I don't understand the distinction. So did Joss Boo Joss Whedon? Um, did he come up with like the idea of the nightmare, and then this guy David wrote the actual story? Well, I I think or the script. Yeah, I think the distinction would be that like Joss must have like broke down the story and like did a bunch of work on like what should happen in all the acts or the scenes but like i guess when it came time to actually write the script 
David was the one who did it. Got it. So that sounds similar to what I'm doing in my own sort of like creative writing journey is I've got the story, but I need someone to do the teleplay <laughs> of it. Like I need someone to actually write it down. That's a, yeah, that's a good idea. The, uh, you know, the, the easy way to do it would be for me to be the one writing it down mm-hmm. and also coming up with the story. But that has been a one man band. That's been a challenge so far. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. If we only had a, a fellow executive producer to help us. Um, I'm remembering one time in like third grade, I had to write a paper, but I didn't really know how to type yet. And so I just like orated to my mom who typed the paper for me. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it was great. And then like one time in fourth grade, I had to write a paper and I was like, oh, great. I'll just be able to like do the same thing and tell ask like ask my mom to like write it down write down what i'm saying and but i guess when i was talking to my teacher about it and i only had this record like understanding like literally two years ago but when i was talking to my teacher i must have said something like would it be okay if my mom wrote the paper for me or something like that or like typed it up typed it for me and she was obviously she was like well, your mom's not in school, so no, you have to do it. And so I, t- I did type it, but now I'm realizing I made a mistake in how I asked the question. And I feel like, and why did I even ask? I should have just like done the same thing. Um, but that, yeah, that's that's that was the stupidity of me, of me as a nine-year-old. Yeah, well, I mean, your mom could have been in school at that time. I mean, she's in classes right now. True. I just meant, I, I think she meant not in fourth grade, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah, I feel like, you know, teachers know how to catch students in uh, whatever they're not supposed to be doing. So I'm sure your teacher would have figured it out eventually. Hey, I learned how to type. So that's... Did you, yeah, did this spur you on to learn how to type? Or was it a few years later? Because we didn't learn how to type or we didn't take like a typing class until like middle school. But I do think we had we had word processor activities in elementary. Yeah, we definitely I was definitely starting to learn how to type in elementary school, but then I feel like it didn't really take off for me until like middle school when I started exploring the World Wide Web. Yeah. Needed to know how to type little posts on forums. <laughs> uh, anyway, this episode was directed by Bruce Seth Green, who seems to be one of our go-to guys is as a director uh, through season one. He's, did, he's done a couple other episodes. Um, and our IMDb deep dive this week was for Jeremy Foley, who is the kid who played Billy. Whoa. Uh, and... He, I, this was one of his first roles. He did 52 episodes of a show called Caitlin's Way, and he seems to have written Is that the Nickelodeon it's show? The Nickelodeon where show. she goes to the horse farm? I didn't know anything about it, but I, I'm, I'm happy you do. What does, what was Caitlin's Way? All I don't about? think I ever watched more than like one or two episodes, but I'm pretty sure Caitlin was a troubled teen, um, capitalized troubled teen. Um, and she gets sent to like a horse farm that maybe her aunt owns to sort of reform her ways and learn how to be an adult or a respectable member of society. I don't really know. I don't know if she figured out the way. Well, the actor was in uh, the actor Jeremy, who played Billy, was in every episode of that show. Whoa, um, that show, that's the description of that sounds a lot like there was a decom very similar about a boy who had to go to his uncle and aunt's horse farm. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna kill me that I can't think of. It. It's like I don't think I know this one. It's it's something that I mean the the title obviously works uh, for what it's trying to explain, but I can't think of what it is right now. Anyway, Jeremy Foley <laughs> has this bio on his IMDb that he must have written himself, uh, <laughs> which is which was really making me. Laugh. I mean, sometimes people have these, sometimes they don't. But like, who else would write this? Uh, and it says Jeremy Foley is an EPK producer at Herzog and Company, walking its hollowed ha- walking its hallowed halls for over a decade. He's basically like their mascot. Originally from San. San Diego, Jeremy's career in the entertainment industry began as an actor, starring in titles such as the beloved disaster flick Dante's Peak. When he's not in the office, Jeremy can be found racking up points at the Arclight or traveling the world with his wife. Full list of fun facts available upon request. 
Wow, there's more fun facts yeah. than what's in this bio. Should we should we send him a message and ask him about what it was like to work on what Caitlin's way? Yeah, and and on Buffy, I, I'd love to hear the the Jer- the the first person narrative from Jeremy. Yeah, that'd be great. I used to listen to a podcast called I Was There Too, where Matt Gorley interviews people who worked on film, like famous films, but not the people who are like the famous stars of the film. And you know, this could be someone. Uh, we could interview in that way he might even be he might have an episode of that podcast true <laughs> just talking about <laughs> nightmares the buffy episode yeah so we can move more into the episode as a whole well, i i was surprised to find on imdb that, that this was the third highest rated episode of the season hmm that's interesting yeah after the finale and angel this was number one at eight stars out of ten I, this felt like a very early season one Buffy to me mm-hmm. in terms of like a non-vampire plot. Maybe they leaned a little bit into the campiness, but I, it was not really clicking for me. It was very after school special. It was like even they did like the smoking thing and like don't beat kids. It was like. Yeah, it was like stand up for your like fight your own yeah. battles and unless Buffy is there. Don't be afraid kind of thing. Yeah, it was fine. It certainly worked. Um, But, you know, ultimately, I'm happy to be past this one. Yeah, this, I mean, I I feel like on previous episodes of the podcast, we've been saying, oh, the show just is getting better and better, even with these (laughs) non-vampire villain plots. And I feel like this one, there wasn't even like a real villain. There was just like, this kid fell in a coma and because they're on the Hellmouth, he he can create everyone's nightmares into reality because he's in this coma without any real supernatural. I mean, I guess that is a supernatural element, but it didn't seem very fully formed. Yeah, they were kind of just like, let's have nightmares be a thing. And they came up with a reason to have it be in the episode. But I agree, it was kind of weak and like... I don't know. It was just very strange that it was about, like, this kid who got beat by his <laughs> baseball coach. And then the baseball coach, like, obviously the, the, the ugly man is the baseball coach. But we, like, the real baseball coach isn't even in the episode until, like, the last second. And he's instantly arrested arrested <laughs> and thrown in jail off screen. And it's just like, okay. Did this happen to Joss? The story by Joss Whedon. Is this, like, a... Came up with it all. I don't I mean I feel like had he had he gone through this it would have been written in a better way or maybe it was too close to home for him and he couldn't you know kill his darlings or whatever they say sort of like mm. he loved this idea he's the creator he's like you guys are making this nightmares episode and I don't care what you say about it and they delivered this finished product and it was pretty bad and he didn't have the the distance from his own idea to kill it, kill his darling. I, that's, that's the that narrative I'm like, going with. It makes sense to me. Um, I th- I do think that a big question mark on this episode is something you instantly latched onto in that the boy, Billy, looks exactly like the anointed one. They both are like eight-year-olds with dark hair and, and they, they're quiet and they just wear white and walk around all weird. And they're both in this episode. Yeah. Like, have we not seen the anointed one since that first episode with them? Uh, I feel like he was in another one. I feel like he was an angel or something when like they were all underground or something. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, it was just random that he was there. Uh in this it just like cast a different kid you already know the anointed ones like look so and if you need another child like cast someone who looks different, different. or like don't have them both in the same episode sure. because this one scene we got with the anointed one was so forgettable and not relevant to the plot whatsoever and we never went back to the vampire lair yeah you're right. I agree. It was is a very strange choice. Um, I mean, I'm happy for Jeremy uh, to for, in his third acting role credit on IODV. Um but I I do think that they should have thought this one through. But they didn't. That that was a Joss note. He's like, we're gonna have the anointed one. The note Just was work it. Don't in. think this through. Work it on. 
Yeah. Um, happy. I liked uh, the Buffy's dad stuff. I thought it was. I, it was good to finally get him in the picture, sort of see what where he is, what their relationship is like. Yeah, and I don't think we had any previous mention of Buffy's dad. Like we knew that Joyce was a single mom, and they moved to a new a new neighborhood, a new town to to start the school year or. or in the middle of the school year or whatever time of the year we're at right now. Um, but we didn't know what the situation was, if there was a, a dead dad, a divorced dad, uh, no doubt at all. Maybe she went to the, the fertility clinic or the, or whatnot. Yeah, it was good. And I, <laughs> I mean, we were laughing, uh, cause like the first time we get introduced <laughs> to him, it's like this, the, when the nightmares have already started uh, to take over or whatever. And so it's like him obviously telling Buffy all the worst fears that she would ever have. That it's her fault that they got divorced and her dad hates her. And he's like, you're not smart enough. I, you know, I had to divorce your mom because can you even imagine what it was like for me to be in this house, in a house with you all the time? I had to get out of there. Uh, and he was like... And I don't really get anything out anything out of these weekends with together, so let's just stop doing them. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a lot, and it was obviously very tragic and upsetting for a child to hear, but in the context of knowing it was a nightmare, it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it even maybe would have worked better if this wasn't the first scene we got with Buffy's dad. Mm-hmm. Like, if he had been introduced at the beginning of the episode even on like a phone call or something and we could have had some semblance of what their dynamic already was you need to know how it goes normally before you can subvert it because otherwise we're just like maybe this is what he thinks yeah and i mean it might that might be what he really does think because we don't get much more from him this episode he like shows up at the end to pick her up that was buffy's big fear was that he wasn't going to show up on time to pick her up from school. And he's like, hey, it's so great to see you, kiddo. And that's what we got. Yeah. Maybe because, yeah, maybe he drove away and they instantly had the exact same conversation. Yeah. It's great to see you. I got to get a lot off my chest. I've yeah. <laughs> been thinking about this for a while. And I really do think it's the right call for me to say this to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, it, it, I feel like it, we did need him to have been in, ep- in an episode before this, before this was the, his like introduction. His first scene is him being like, I hate your ass. Yeah. Well, she's got daddy issues. Are there other daddy issues in the show that we should track? I think so. I think we are already aware of that. Like, I feel like Giles' dad yeah. was like forcing him to be a watcher, even though Giles wanted to be a pilot. And I mean, even in this, Willow was talking about her parents, uh, how they don't even bicker. They just like glare at each other, like they're, but they're still together. That's mm. what she said. Yeah. And we also have mommy issues. The witch. Mm-hmm. Forgot about her for a second, but she's back in my mind. She's always on my mind. <laughs> Love the witch. Yeah. So parental, parental drama, conflict par for the course and like because actually there was even more because like at the end of the episode when we realize that billy was beat up by his coach buffy's like i can't believe a little league coach would beat up a child <laughs> and it's like yeah kind of yeah i agree uh and xander's like i mean i'm just surprised it wasn't one of the parents oh so all the parents in sunnydale kind of problematic yeah because even joyce is not firing on all cylinders in parenting all the time no i mean i mean you got when you have a slayer for a daughter it must be tough if my daughter slayed i would support her even when she burns down a school i'm sure she had a good reason she's she was slaying what can what i i'm looking forward to when buffy has to tell joyce that she's the slayer Mm. They can't go seven seasons without her finding out. Mm. Well, when when are you predicting that Maybe this might happen? Season one finale could be, mm. or like a like a mid season finale. I feel like broadcast TV shows were big with that, where they would save the big reveals or plot twists for the the season finale or like the mid season finale before the holidays. Yes, I, I've. Uh... I feel like mid-season finales are lost, uh, a lost art. Yeah. we it can, Now everything's just 
building to a crescendo at the end. But it was I I love when they had, you know I love a wavy line of a season storyline. Well, I think that's what we're in for. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe. Well, I would say not for season one. I, we're what? past the midway point. I guess like Angel was kind of the mid season finale, quote unquote. Uh, even though there, I don't think there was like a break after. Well, yeah, it was a short season. Yeah. So um, maybe season two. Maybe. I don't know. You'll you'll find out. I'm predicting there will be a, a season two mid season finale, and there will be some sort of big plot or uh, change in the status quo for the characters partway through season two. Yeah, and we can even figure it out. Like, we can look at when the airing dates were and see. I, I I'm I'm aware. <laughs> I, I know I know what we're talking here. Uh, yeah. So like it was kind. Of, I feel like this is sort of like a semi generic story like all the characters fought their like worst fears and like we sort i feel like willow and xander's ones were less well put together than giles and buffy's yeah they were just like what do kids fear the most uh they think they're gonna show up to class naked or they're gonna have they're gonna have stage fright uh i don't think we got any well maybe a little bit on the willow front i can see her like having stage fright we did have that tag last episode mm. where she ran away from their little play true but yeah xanders was like this bulked up guy who's 25 is scared of being naked in school and he's scared of clowns yeah and then there were there was like nazis like there were swastikas on the walls at one point and then also suddenly the school had like all of that plastic draping going on and i like i don't think they ever explained why i think it was like it's a slasher movie now at the high school maybe i don't know i get i mean yeah i mean the clown had a knife but it is the plastic on the draping like is that a slasher movie thing i don't know i don't i don't watch a lot of slasher or horror movies but i guess i have this picture in my mind of them like running through some warehouse or like meat packaging location with like sheets of plastic hanging yes it definitely visually made sense to me like i agree it's part of like the language of like a horror film but i wanted like one line (laughs) to explain why it was like that um and then i felt like with the willow thing with the stage fright that's so similar to buffy going to class and not having studied and like never been there so i was just like you can come up with like a one different thing for so it's just like be it's like forgetting something it's like okay well no they couldn't yeah apparently not um but i felt like like all of giles's fears i felt were really well done like suddenly he can't read or you get lost in the library and then at the end it's that he's like so terrified that he's gonna fail buffy and that she's gonna die uh and that's I, i felt like the buffy and giles relationship is the best part of season one yeah we're i mean i I was not a big fan of Giles at the beginning, but I can see their connection growing stronger mm-hmm. with every episode. Like it seem it seems like their relationship is like progressing off screen as well. Like you can tell that they have spent like months working together mm-hmm. um in the context of the story. Um and Willow and Xander are not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I just think that it's they are so much nicer to each other in understanding of each other's strengths and how they uh, can work together than they were at the beginning. And, and like, just I feel like ever since the episode uh, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, like I feel like that was their first moment where they had that emotional conversation at the end. And then I feel like ever since then they've been like, Buffy's been better at like helping research stuff or like just I feel like it's all been moving at a nice uh upswing I feel like because like I agree like Giles was really horrible in the first couple episodes and I feel like we were supposed to think that because that's how Buffy felt but like now they've gotten closer together and like it's it's been really nice yeah and he was like and it I was just I feel like, like this is the good thing about like a nightmare episode where we see that Giles is like we see Giles' worst fear. And it was, like, actually an emotional thing as opposed to just, like, killer clown. Yeah. Uh, and then Buffy's uh, nightmares were, sim- like, similarly done, where it was, like, 
the the school thing is like kind of like an external fear but like she that's been something she's been working on in the season being like making sure she doesn't get expelled again but then like her dad showing up and being rude obviously we were laughing at it but like that's terrible fear and then she's like afraid she's she's gonna get buried alive and turn into a vampire and that's something we hadn't really seen her express before like that she's worried about herself becoming a vampire but it makes a lot of sense yeah i mean do have previous slayers been turned into vampires i guess i i don't know i i haven't gotten into the master psyche what his grand plan Mm -hmm. is maybe he wants to turn buffy into one of his minions to take over the world um that could be bad that would probably be bad because like think of how hard she slays now and if she were given the strength and immortality and evilness of a vampire she could use that for evil would she get double the strength because she has the slayer strength now and then if you add vampire strength on top of that or do they cancel each other out like is she would she just be immortal yeah i mean just immortal simply immortal i mean i think that's an interesting thing to theorize about i think it make it would make a lot of sense if both of their supernatural strengths combined uh mid-season finale plot <laughs> perhaps but maybe they'd cancel each other out like the the holy or spiritual power of a slayer would counteract the demonic abilities of a vampire and maybe she'd just turn into a normal person so she would be even weaker if she was a vampire than she is currently maybe We'll we'll keep a lookout for the story and teleplay in the future. Yeah. <laughs> that that can be it's my it seems like it's your story and I'll write the teleplay. That's for, that's where we're going right now. For our Buffy spec. Uh and what so the other thing related to the like Buffy fears and weaknesses, like she was having trouble fighting that the ugly man the ugly man uh lucky 19 (laughs) um was that just because it wasn't her fear like it was billy's fear or is she afraid that she's losing her powers or not strong enough to fight everything that makes sense to me i hadn't thought about it until now but yeah like it could i feel like if it was something that they had ten in intended in the writing they would have been she would have been like i'm so afraid i'm gonna not be able to save the world or whatever but i think it makes sense that like she it did seem like she was having a lot of trouble fighting this guy whereas in feel like usually she's doing pretty well in these fights but this guy was just like beating her the fuck up yeah it's like her it's like that uh, she needed to be a vampire to beat him true it's like that meme where like I don't know. It feels like her dad is like uh, on top of Bobby, like beating her up, and then like the ugly man is like waiting right behind her to like right behind him to like take his turn. You know? I don't think I know that meme. Mm, I feel like it's usually like twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty three, or whatever, mm, and they're like all beating up <laughs> me or captioned me. But in this case, it's Buffy. I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> I feel like you'll you'll see, when you see it, you're like, oh, I've seen that kind of thing before. Let us know in the comments if um, you've seen that kind of. Have thing you before. seen this meme? Do you have examples that you could draw up? I think that I think that you'll I think that there are a lot of examples. Um, once again, Charisma Carpenter as Cordelia stealing every scene she's in. They are so afraid to use her more because she would just instantly become the main character. It's true. She is the real Slayer. The first shot we get of her is in that mirror where she's like checking her makeup, and she just looks so amazing. And oh yeah, this is when we we got we got introduced to the character of Wendell. Yeah, I don't know that Wendell will be long for this world or mm. this uh, TV show. He seemed like a one-and-done extra cast member to me. All right. Mike's prediction, we'll never see Wendell again. Uh, and, yeah, like, we, we got introduced to him. He was standing in Cordelia's light, and then Xander also stood in her light. And she was not pleased. It's like, stand anywhere else. She's doing something. Yeah, I she mean. She needs the light. It seems like she has a reputation for telling people off and they just keep pissing her off. They, they're they pushing her buttons at this point. This is intentional. So rude. I'm on Cordelia's side. Always. Uh, my, she's the slayer to me. Um, and yeah, we Wendell... Okay, well, Wendell's storyline was very peculiar to me. <laughs> where he's like, I don't hate spiders. I love... Like, this is the guy who... He, like, opened the book, and then a bunch of spiders popped out of the book and crawled all over him. 
and we go and Willow and Xander went and talked to him for a little bit and he was like, I don't hate spiders, I love them. One I had the biggest collection in like Southern California or whatever. And then he was like, But one time I went to summer camp and all my brother had to do was take care of them, but he killed them all. And ever since then I've been having this nightmare where I'm in class and then the teacher calls on me to read something and I open the book and all my spiders are there. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> like one I don't I mean Supportive parents are great. Um, I think as a as someone who is not a parent, I think it's great when parents nurture the interests of their kids. But having the largest spider collection as a teenager <laughs> in an entire state or like Southern California, Something like, like that. we got to call child services here. <laughs> but this was the most supportive parents in the episode. What what is supportive about that? I mean. We, I mean, we were just talking about having daddy and mommy issues. I feel like Wendell's parents, That is a daddy and a mommy issue. They have the issues. They've got the issues here. Like, they are not paying attention to their kid right now. Um, Either of their kids. Like, one, they're letting their kid... They're letting one of their kids have a large spider collection. And then they're letting their other kid just kill all of those spiders the second the other kid leaves. Like, seems like they're pitting the two brothers against each other. Um... Yeah, I mean, I definitely would have asked my parents. Maybe the parents didn't know about the spiders. And that's why he couldn't ask them to take care of them when he went to summer camp. Mm. But how? So how many spiders do you think he had to have to have the largest collection in the region? I mean, I don't think that's a very... I don't think it's a very popular sport, but I feel like the people who do engage in this community must be very into it. So I feel like you do need a lot of spiders, even though you might only be competing with three or four other people. (laughs) So where was he hiding all of these spiders if the parents didn't know? Closet? But that begs the question, how many spiders can fit in one closet? How many did he have? I mean, he had, he was like, I got browns, I got tree, whatever. I couldn't, I don't remember all the spiders they named, but he had a lot. Yeah. And they, he number one in the, in the area or whatever, the region. And then Creepy. we got introduced to a couple of new Sunnydale students in this episode. Similarly, Laura, who walked <laughs> down the uh, staircase in her introduction, talking to her friend. And then she said, I'm going to go and then gestured that she was going to smoke downstairs or like in the basement or whatever. And she she opens this doorway to like a boiler room and she goes downstairs to smoke a cigarette <laughs> And that's what, this is the first time we see the ugly man. Like, he's like, he says, lucky 19 and like beats her up. It's like in a gruesome way. Like, it was like overly done. I'm laughing now and I I probably shouldn't. But like, it looks like this guy killed, like beat her to death. And then you get the flashing smoking kills sign. The Sunnydale High School has a poster in their boiler room that says smoking kills. Because it seems like a popular place to smoke. Just lock the door. Just lock the door and, like, these kids have this, we, we comment on this every week. They have this huge campus. Go outside and smoke. <laughs> yeah. just There's there, got to be a place outside on that campus where they go to smoke. Yeah, there. I mean, I bet there's there's got to be a smoking zone for 18-year-old students, right? Yeah. I, don't... I mean, it was the 90s. Everyone smoked. True. Carrie Bradshaw. Queen. Her, her impact. She did it. Carrie, if Carrie and Buffy got together, the quips would be flying back and forth. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that they could have been a little more artful in their, uh, assault on Laura. Uh, and then, okay, and then Buffy and Giles went to the hospital to go talk to Laura, and, like, they were talking to her doctor afterward, and he, like, gave them so much medical information, <laughs> like, after he was like, are, what, are you family? And they were like, no, we're friends. And then he was like, she's got a couple broken bones, but shit, like, it just started, like, rattling off her medical history. And uh, and Billy's. He was like, oh, yeah. And uh, this other kid was beat up last week. And, and it was by the same person. It's like, how do you know? Uh, how? I mean, maybe Sunny. there's not a lot of people walking around beating people up in Sunnydale. <laughs> but it seems like there are. There's <laughs> monsters every week. Yeah. Well, not the monsters don't all beat you up. Like, the vampire just sucks your blood. True. And the praying just sucks, just your, blood. sucks your blood. Just but, immortal. Just immortal. But it's not beating you up. uh yeah all in all a fine episode fine the uh, i felt like they had a lot of ideas 
Big ideas week. <laughs> just like, and I felt like it was like throughout the episode. Did you instant like? Did you pretty early on know what had happened to Billy? I didn't know that he was beat up into a coma by his baseball coach, but yeah, you could tell it was like a well. I guess not at first, because um, the first time we see Billy, he's like during that spider scene coming out of the textbooks and he's just like standing to the side he's like you shouldn't have done that or whatever and you're like oh is this like some ghostly child apparition Mm -hmm. like i thought it was the anointed one yeah um at first um and it wasn't but pretty quickly you find out and figure out that it's like waking nightmares or whatever and like connected to baseball like when he was like when they walked outside and he was like they were watching those other boys play baseball and he was like i don't like this that kind of thing Mm. no maybe not maybe it's maybe it's only apparent on a rewatch yeah maybe i need to watch it for a third time but what's not what did not connect in my mind until literally right now is that the ugly man has a club hand but it's like a baseball bat oh i did pick up on that now i now now i'm getting it yeah i did i did connect on that part and Buffy breaks that club Go off during lane. the fight. And I gotta say... Oh, sorry. When I, I was gonna say the... It seems like the fight choreography was not all there either. It seemed very episode three in terms of ooh. fighting. I liked when Buffy, as a vampire, leapt on to the uh, ugly man and, like, pounced on him. Yeah, she was using her new vampire skills. <laughs> I wanted to see her bite him. That would have been fun, but could have been... A step too far for her. She could have been like, oh, I need to keep my humanity. I can't be or bite Lucky 19. I liked that a lot of the characters had to confront their own fears and like deal with them that way. Where like, I don't know, it felt like even Giles, like Giles didn't like physically confront any of his fears, but it felt like him apologizing to Buffy's grave and like I don't know it felt like he was like sort of coming to peace with a potential inevitability of being a watcher where he was like she may die and it's like it'll it could be my fault but like I don't know he like came to some sort of a understanding with it Xander obviously much more like physically confrontational with like punching the clown Willow just kind of ran away yeah Willow didn't really do it uh and Buffy she like she was like still helped the side of good even though she became a vampire so that's fine i guess yeah like she could become a vampire and still be on the side of good like angel like angel yeah uh and then they could be together forever yeah i also gotta say on the vampire front we commented on this during the angel episode but the master, when Buffy is confronting the master in the graveyard, he like makes a comment being like, you're way prettier than the other slayers before. And it's just like, again, these hundreds of years old vampires mm. commenting on how attractive this 16 year old girl True. is. Creepy. Didn't think about that. Totally. Oh, yeah. Like, this is the first time we'd ever seen the master not in his little cave. Yeah. Because that's one of Buffy's nightmares that he'll be free. Uh and he seemed not very scary. <laughs> he and Buffy just kind of talked in the graveyard. Well, was it wasn't really him. But I think it was. Oh, so if the nightmare world had just continued forever, he would have been free. I think, yeah, that's like what he was saying. Where like, he would have been, he was, he was out walking around. Okay. Good for him. And then the end of the episode is Billy like go going over to the ugly man and taking his mask off and like like a bright light shines and then suddenly billy wakes up that's how you get out of a coma if you're beat up by your baseball coach just take the mask off the ugly man don't hide right that's the lesson i'm taking away i think that this after school episode after school special episode was fine. Was fine. I would not put it third in my episode rankings of the season. Um, or, it's, I mean, at this point, it's the second highest rated since you haven't seen the finale yet. Would you have this as number two? Number two, in if an... we were reverse ranking that. <laughs> but I don't know which one I would hate more than this. I'd have to think back. 
I fe- yeah. Uh, there are definite. I think that's probably the praying mantis episode for me would be. Oof, yeah, but she's so she's slay. she's great. But the episode as a whole, I feel like, would be the one that I would put down at the bottom. But like this, this episode had a higher rating than the puppet episode, which was like that's one of the up. best. Yeah, Ugh, I okay. don't like that. Anyway. Any final thoughts on the episode before we get into our segments? No final thoughts. I mean, I think it it speaks to the weakness of this episode that we're kind of having trouble talking about anything interesting. Yeah. I liked when Cordelia was being taken against her will into the chess club. Yeah. But otherwise... She could have been the Queen's Gambit if she had just kept going. <laughs> True. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I was... Even before we started recording this, I was like, we're not going to go nearly as long as we normally <laughs> do on this. Um... Which is totally fine. I don't need to, you know, force anything. Yeah, I mean, it was a not great episode, and I'm sure we're just going to leave it in the dust. Bye! Bye, Bit. Bye, Billy. Bye, Wendell. Bye, Laura. Or maybe we'll see them again. If I, out of those three characters, which one would you want to see again? Wendell. I felt like his, I liked his hair, I liked his earrings, I felt like he was giving... As an actor, I felt like he was, like, embodying his character more than sev- many one-off characters. Oh, I also liked those, like, cool greaser guys whose oh. mom showed up. So random. Yeah. I think I, did, I think that Buffy, as a show, really likes showing that, like, other people are being affected by these creatures and not just the characters. Because, like, even at the end when they're in the hospital room and they look outside and, like, all those, like, giant insects are flying around in mm-hmm. Buffy and Sunnydale, they're just showing, like, this is happening to everyone. Yeah. Whose fear do you think that was? Uh, the new principles. What's his name? Mister Snyder. Snyder. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. No more thoughts. Um, so let's move into our segments. Great. Starting with fashion moment. Mike, what was the fashion moment of the episode for you? There are some good fashion moments. This was a previous one, but it kind of doubled in this episode. <laughs> so we're coming back to it. In the opening school scene or the classroom scene when the spiders came out of the book mm-hmm. buffy was wearing two different chunky pink rings that were like a lighting up on the inside and i just thought that was a very bold choice um she also had some good color coordination going on later in the episode with like the blue jacket and the blue nails um so as per usual buffy was slaying this episode fashion wise completely agreed glad you said on the the blue outfit i i was noting that too she looked really good and but there was a moment where cordelia appeared on screen like she had this ascot her hair looked incredible like everything about her looked so good and both of us were instantly like she looked so fucking good like <laughs> like out loud as soon as she showed up on screen so definitely cordelia in that moment was my fashion moment of the episode uh and we only it was very quick because like we shot we got her there right as she was like buffy we have that history test that you forgot all about uh and then by the time we saw her the next time her hair had been all frizzled out in her nightmare uh so it was just a quick glance of the fierceness of cordelia chase um moving on biggest slay mike what was your biggest slay of the episode you know i was having tr- as we were talking about before we started recording having trouble remembering the slays um in the episode but yeah it was good to see the anointed one again i really didn't think we were coming back to that <laughs> plot um so it was slay to see the anointed one i'm I'm all for learning more about the mythology of this show, um, learning more about the vampires. Uh, the anointed one seems to have some personality or mystery around who the anointed one is, what their powers are, why is it this kid? So yeah, it, it interested to learn more about the anointed one. Um, and the fact that they brought him back again means hopefully we will. Yeah, you were pretty certain that you were never going to see that kid ever again after the first episode. And maybe we won't ever see him again after this. And he he could disappear, drop off the face of the earth at any time. My biggest slay, probably that Giles scene where he's like mourning the loss of Buffy. I felt like that was very... uh, I feel like that's one of the... There were very few moments in this episode where I was like, this is good. Uh, (laughs) I felt like that was probably my favorite one where it was like getting more into the underworkings of giles like him being afraid of not knowing how to read is like it makes sense and like that's connected to like he's afraid of being useless and like i felt like 
it th- those are connected fears where like somehow he'll fail Buffy and so she'll die because he didn't know how to research or like didn't look up the right stuff. Um, but like it was good, and I feel like I feel like the the I feel like we get a lot of stuff with Buffy and Willow and Xander's emotional stories or like their uh, emotional centers. But I felt like this was like the first time that we had like a Giles character moment where not just being like the mentor or the like guide but we're getting more into his who he is as a person yeah it was nice and hopefully in season two with the longer episode count we'll be able to dive a little bit deeper into everybody's personal lives and backstories and not just buffy i love buffy but oh yeah buffy's the best um okay xander slander what was the worst xander moment of the episode i mean we this is this happened earlier this season but unfortunately don't have much to say for the xander slander i thought he was just fine this episode didn't do anything too egregious did i miss something i mean it seems like you want to rename the segment to xander stanners i would never (laughs) um i felt like there was i mean it was just uh at the beginning of the episode for me where they were talking about he didn't remember anything about the homework because he was staring at his teacher's breasts oh that's bad yeah um just so there every episode they're like we gotta slip in one line where xander's a horny little child well fear not listeners i'm not letting our little misogyny section go without calling out some misogyny in the Mm -hmm. episode but there was one scene where giles just told will to shut up (laughs) and that just seemed so inappropriate (laughs) and not in line with the tone of the rest of the episode um willow should report him for that maybe that was one of willow's nightmares i don't think so that seemed like a regular occurrence he kind of just like tossed that off like he said it a hundred times already and she just took it like she's heard it a hundred times i didn't like that i did at the end of the ep- I mean, we didn't talk about this but at the end of the episode willow was asking xander about if he was still attracted to buffy when she was a vampire and he said he was which i felt like that was you know i am and i'm now of two minds about this because like it's good that he likes her unconditionally but he's been using angel's vampire status as a reason to hate him so it's all he's still a bad guy maybe he's <laughs> learning to not hate people based on things they can't control i think he's just horny for horny and selfish yeah i'm not gonna be too generous to xander here neither am i uh final segment gold star scooby mike who is your favorite character of the episode cordelia but um of the scooby gang well it doesn't have to it can be we're still working on the name of this okay um yeah giles had a good episode overall um so i'll give it to him I probably she wasn't my favorite character of the episode, but I I we haven't talked about her enough in this uh, podcast, so I just want to bring up Joyce. I really liked her. Uh, she seemed very okay with her divorce, and she like I liked her like characterization surrounding Buffy's relationship with her dad. Uh, it felt like they and like it feels like her and Buffy are in a good place too. Like we were talking about with Buffy and Giles, like they've grown over the course of the season, and it feels like Joyce is like very supportive and like it's, like reasonably worried for her daughter like waking her up from the screaming nightmares but like wants her to have a good relationship with her dad and like it's okay if her dad and her need to come pick up the backpack after school or whatever like i felt like joyce was uh just like a nice mom in this episode yeah i mean even in the scenes where maybe she is not firing on all cylinders as a parent you can i can tell at least that she is really trying to give buffy a, a normal life and is trying to be as supportive as possible, even if she doesn't always know the right things to say or do. Um, you can tell she loves Buffy. Beautiful. Oh, I realized we actually can do a, another segment. It's, it's Boyfriend Book Club. We finished well, Return of the King. We did. Well, we we did finish Return of the King last year. Um, yeah, but between our podcasts. Oh, yeah. And similar to Two Towers, I thought the movie was better. I agree. We also, yeah, we did also watch the extended edition of Return of the King uh, uh, over the course of several days. Um, it's a four and a half hour movie. It is, and and I, and I feel like like Two Towers, the Sam and Frodo stuff is so incredible in the books, and then so much of the Aragorn 
everyone else storyline is boring as absolute h uh and i i'm ha- i i said this it's just like i'm it's good that tolkien didn't in sort it's good that tolkien invented the genre because if he had someone else to compete with i'm not sure people would really like the book no <laughs> and like the other criticism i mean i love the movies they're my favorite movies of all time it got me into uh the fantasy genre generally but now having read the reread the books now as a an out queer adult it's like the books are so homoerotic and the it seemed like peter jackson really pushed against any sort of like gay characterizations of the characters in the movie like he created all this weird tension between frodo and sam perhaps for plot reasons but there is no need for them to fight so much in the movies. Yeah, or if you are going to have them fight, at least have them hold hands as much as they do in the book and kiss each other as much as they do in the book. Yeah. I'm ready for the extended, extended cut where they kissed. I'm getting extended thinking about it. Whoa. Uh, yeah. All in all, fine movie. Then Fine book. Uh, excellent movie. Uh, really swept at the Oscars that year, I remember. Anyway, our next book club book that we're going to read is uh, Now is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Something. By Kevin Something. Um, and this is... Is it part of the Boyfriend Book Club? Because it is part of a, an extended book club with other people, not yeah. just boyfriends. I feel like we'll just... we Even if we finish... Well, we can talk about it when we... Uh, get past we want we don't want to release all of our thoughts on the book before we get to our actual book club no what if our book club members listen to this episode exactly but once we talk about it with them we can sort of yeah so debrief on the book watch this space (laughs) yeah uh do we do anything else here uh we well the the last thing i'm the episode title for next week is out of sight out of mind do you have any predictions I feel like something is going to happen out of sight and Buffy will not be able to keep it out of mind. That's my prediction. Maybe a clairvoyant. Oh, sorry. It's out of mind, out of sight. Wow. Okay. So something will happen in Buffy's mind and she will not see it happening. Okay. Yeah. That's my prediction. (laughs) A psychic. I think a psychic. Some sort of a witchery... But not a witch, because we already had that episode. We've had a bunch of vampire episodes. Maybe Miss Calendar will come back. I would love that. Yeah, she's been absent since the computer episode. Fucked up. Hopefully she comes back soon. Uh, Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug before you go? Uh, We are at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. True. I'm at Flawless Lawless on Instagram. Sam? I do another podcast at Predators Pod on Instagram and Twitter, talking Survivor, uh, figuring out what we're doing in the off season, and uh, we. I also I'm at Sam Stanish everywhere. Okay, that's it. Bye. Bye. Slay.